Well, welcome to church from my side. Uh, we began a series last week that we have entitled Margin. Uh, personally, I am... Um, I'm, being, I'm, I'm deeply impacted and challenged by just this whole idea. Uh, I think that God has a way of life available to us that, that if, we will, uh, if we will get in step with His rhythms, with His way of doing life, I just, I just think we would be blown away to actually see the type of fruit that is actually available to us. Um, a scripture that, that I can't help but keep coming back to is Romans 12 verse 2. I want to read it to you quickly from the message paraphrase. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. And if I'm being honest with you, I mean, you might all be amazing and not fit into it. Or if you do, you at least think about it. I'm just telling you for a large portion of my life. Still, to this day, I find it very hard. I have to be very conscious. I have to be very alert. I have to be very deliberate to not just fit into my culture without thinking about it. I find it really hard. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like that story of, of an, uh, you know, an older fish swimming past the two younger fish uh, asking, hey, boys, how's the water today? And after a while, the one looks at the other and says, what the hell is water? Because for them, it's like, I mean, that's a direct quote, just so you know. I'm not trying to be crass. Um, for them, it's like, what do you mean water? Like, that's all they know. And I think that so often uh, we don't even realize what it is that we're fitting into. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Put another way, I like the way that C.S. Lewis wrote this decades ago, where he said, when the whole world is running towards a cliff, he who is running in the opposite direction appears to have lost his mind. And the truth is that when we don't fit into the culture like everybody else, if we actually surrender to a different type of rhythm or a different type of give and take, a different type of generosity, a different value system, sometimes you're going to look a little bit crazy to the people around you. And um, just, I'll tell you confidentially, sometimes you'll look a little bit crazy to other Christians because... A lot of Christians are you know, living like everybody else. And so when you take some of these things quite seriously and you're very determined about it and, and, you, and you really value family highly and you, and you value uh, margin in a healthy sense, not in a self-centered sense, but in a self-care sense so that you have space to be interrupted, to be kind, to be generous, um, to be able to actually discern you know, God's will in, in different situations, uh, that can sometimes that can sometimes rub other people up the wrong way. When the whole world is running towards a cliff, he, he who is running in the opposite direction appears to have lost his mind. If you weren't here last week, just a very quick recap. I mean, this is a, a, a 60 second version of what we spoke about last week, but just reminding you of the definition of margin. It is the gap between our limits and our load or our load and our limits. So all of us have different capacity, right? So yeah, I've got a really small little balloon. I've got a kind of medium-sized balloon and a larger balloon, right? So this smaller balloon has a much smaller capacity, right? If I'm going to blow it up, even even to 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 kind of close to its limits, like it. Like this is the biggest it can get without popping, right? 
I can blow the same amount of air into the other two balloons and they're not even going to be challenged yet. They're not even going to be stretched yet. And so, and so the idea even for someone with this capacity is that he might have to just let a little bit of air out just to create a little bit of margin so that he can withstand or she can withstand the pressures of life because the pressures of life are inevitable, right? If I blow it up to capacity and pressures come, it pops, right? And so we're saying that a lot of the time we're living just hoping that, that that one last bit of pressure doesn't come because we're close to popping. And that could be at work, that could be at home, that could be in the traffic, that could be in the mall, that could be with, uh, I don't know, ESCOM, that could be anywhere, you know? <laughs> Take a medium-sized balloon. I've already put, I don't know, three times as much air into this as what I had in the smaller balloon, right? But this person has probably got a fair, a fair bit of margin. Take, take that amount of air, put it into the larger balloon, and, and that's all it is. Now, for those of you that enjoy parties and enjoy balloons, if you buy a bunch of big balloons, you don't stop there, right? You don't go like, yeah, happy, happy birthday. Like, it's just weird. I honestly think that a lot of Christians are living like this. And we wonder why our light isn't shining. Because actually, we're not allowing God to actually breathe His potential into us. So I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying live, live small, uh, self-centered lives that, that, that are never willing to be stretched or never, be, or never willing to be taken out of our comfort zone. I just think that we need discernment to know when God is actually stretching us because again, you know that with balloons, if you stretch them a bit, then you, then you let out a bit of air, it's, it's got margin. But sometimes it just needs that initial stretch. This balloon has got a lot of potential in it. This isn't margin. This is not a margin issue. This is a capacity issue. This balloon is not allowing God to actually breathe the air into it. That's already probably six times as much as that smaller balloon. Let's say eight times, nine times, 10 times, 11 times, maybe 12, 13 times. This balloon has still got margin. Don't worry, I'm not going to pop it. Some of you are freaking out already, right? No, no, it's, it's okay. The point I'm trying to make is that this balloon should never be comparing itself to a smaller balloon that's got like... No, nothing really stretching into it or a balloon like this that's, that's maybe actually, actually this balloon's pretty close to max. It's got a little bit of margin, but, but this balloon's doing well. I think when this balloon stands before God one day, it's gonna, he's gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant. But this balloon with that amount of air in it, he's gonna say, like, I mean, I love you. I'm legit, God loves you. So it's not a love issue. It's not a getting into heaven issue. I think it's just where you might say, I had so much more for you. It's not a love issue. He loves you. It's not a heaven issue or a salvation issue. He, he, he's got you. But I, I want to live a life that is healthy and, and that I'm responsive when God is wanting to stretch me. And just so you know, I almost never think I'm in a comfort zone. So I never think I need stretching until I've been stretched. And then I look back and I'm like, oh, okay, I was a bit more comfortable than I realized. I'll say it again. You never think you're in a comfort zone or very, very rarely. So again, unless we have margin, we don't have the space to actually slow down and discern what God is saying to us. And there are times where you're going through some stuff and, and when we slow down and get with God, He's like, Jason, it's okay. I've got this. I'm allowing you to be stretched. I'm allowing you to be made stronger. 
But then there are other times where God says to me, Jason, you're taking on too much. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You, the stuff you're taking on, I never asked you to take on. The stuff you're saying yes to, I never told you to say yes to. He has some wisdom, son. It's okay. You're allowed to say no to some stuff. You can't, you can't give the same amount of energy to everything and everybody. You can't be everywhere. You, you can't be all things to all people. Like, let's not misunderstand that scripture. But unless I actually have that margin, I don't think that I will actually get to have that perspective that God wants us to give. So what I'm wanting to talk about in the, in the little bit of time that we have here is simply the word, sorry, I'm a little bit OCD, the, the word simplicity or the concept of simplicity. And, and maybe the best, I mean, some of the synonyms that I think work well are minimalism, but, but another word that I love as a synonym for simplicity is actually the word focus. For us to live a life that is simple, simplistic or, yeah, I don't like that word, that has simplicity to it, is to actually have a life that is focused. We know what matters most and, we, and we're wanting to give our best energy to that and we want to resist other distractions. Some of you might recall roughly a year ago, I gave an example of a lion tamer and how even though this person is so much weaker than this majestic lion, he is able to literally tame this beast, tame all this potential by, by very carefully, very almost like masterfully using a four-legged stool in the one hand or he's got a, got a you know, whip that he cracks in the other hand to, and, and apparently scientifically, a lion is so distracted by the four legs of the stool that it doesn't know which leg to look at. It's, 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 he gets into this almost like decision fatigue mode, this, this you know, analysis paralysis. This, it's, just, it's just so distracted, so distracted by, by the options that he's actually tamed. And I want to propose to you that I believe that God actually has put a lot more power in us than what we realize sometimes. I don't think God wants us to ever be used as a circus trick. And I think that sometimes you have an enemy in your life who's trying to just keep you distracted. He's not even necessarily trying to make you bad. He's just trying to keep you distracted. Corrie ten Boom said, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If the devil can't make you bad, He'll make you busy because he's achieving the exact same thing. Both have the same end in mind. Distraction, separation from God. That's all it is. So whether you're being really bad or whether you're just really busy, as long as you are separated from God, he's happy. He's like, that's my goal. Done. Hebrews 12 verse one says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. In other words, every unnecessary distraction, every extra bit of, I love this word clutter. I, don't, I mean, I don't like clutter, but this idea of clutter. Let us remove everything that is distracting us, everything that's weighing us down. Notice that that's not sin. He goes on in the next part of the verse to say, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. So, so he's saying, no, no, whether you're, whether you're busy and distracted with a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't ask you to take on or whether you are you know, giving into sin, again, both of these are gonna stop you from running with endurance the race that God has set before us. One definition that I like when it comes to the idea of simplicity is from a pair of guys, two guys, 
called the minimalists, where they said that it's the intentional promotion of the things we most value and the removal of everything that distracts us from them. The intentional promotion of the things we most value, which by the way means we need to slow down to evaluate what we value most. You don't get to evaluate, you don't think deeply and evaluate deeply when you're only ever living in a frenetic rush. Last week we spoke about how we just skim over the surface when we were in a hurry. So we need to know what we value most and remove everything that distracts us from them. And just so you know, simplicity is not settling for superficiality. It's actually the opposite of superficiality. Simplicity is actually prioritizing significance. I think that sometimes success, in inverted commas, can actually be very superficial. What do we call success? So you can win, but at what? You can be known, but what does that mean? Like at what cost? Or you can earn what you think you want to earn, but at what cost? So sometimes success can actually be really superficial. Whereas sometimes simplicity, so focus, taking a look at what matters most can actually lead, I believe, to great significance. And I think that what matters most in our lives, according to the way that God has wired us, Guys, at the end of the day, it's all about relationships. That's the great commandment right there. It's all about loving God and loving people. Jesus said, Jesus said, not Jason, Jesus said, that sums everything up. It's about our ability to give and receive love or our ability to receive and give love. Everything else that, that matters, everything that is of significance comes down to whether or not we are growing in our relationship with God and our relationship with those that he's called us to, to love, you know, those that he's entrusted to us, and our ability to love and serve those that God's called us to serve that we don't know yet, people that are not in a relationship with God, people that are in our community. Richard Foster said that simplicity is an inward reality that can be seen in an outward lifestyle. In other words, there's a focus. There's a, there's a sense of, I know, I, know what, I know who I am, I know whose I am, I know what God's called me to. And, and so slowly but surely, your outer life actually starts to catch up with and it starts to be affected by and to bear fruit from an inner reality. The opposite of that, I believe, is, is a heart that is pulled in a thousand different directions. And I've got to tell you, I have FOMO. Like, like I've got to work hard not to want to do everything. It's hard for me. I think sometimes God has deliberately maybe kept us a little bit resource limited because if I had all the resources I want, I would be involved in like 17 different sports and hobbies. I'd wanna go riding bikes, I'd wanna do kite surfing, I'd wanna go uh, adventure stuff, like scuba, like everything that I can imagine because it just looks amazing. And anything that involves nature and being outside. So I thank God that actually I haven't had the ability to chase my tail. I've had to narrow the focus and maybe choose one or two areas that I can get healthy, enjoy being replenished, doing stuff that I enjoy, but, but where I'm not trying to do everything, where my heart is not pulled in a thousand different directions. I wanna share th- uh, four very quick, simple principles with you and then I wanna send you home, not with like hectic homework, just I've got a question for each of these principles that I'd love for you to reflect on, um, if not tonight, then during the week. So if you're not taking notes, then please download the YouVersion app if you don't have it already when you get home uh, and, and search for today's event, save it, because by midnight, I think it is 
it expires. But otherwise, if you're not going to do that, just, just make a few little notes or take photos of the screens if you have to. Number one, first principle is that simplicity requires clarity. Simplicity with, requires clarity. Without clarity, we won't have simplicity. Clarity, for me, speaks to vision. Knowing where we're headed, knowing who we are, knowing who God's called us to be. And so, and so we actually need vision. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says that where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. Or some versions talk about vision, where there's no vision. People cast off restraint. Restraint speaks of limits. So, so when I don't have vision, when I don't know where I'm headed, who I'm called to be, I just throw off all restrictions, all limitations. And so I'm, and so I'm, I'm actually fair game. I'll t- I can just take on anything. I'll, you'll date anybody, go anywhere, take any job, try anything. Like the, the road is wide. The only very sobering part of this is that in Matthew 7, Jesus said that actually the, the very wide road leads to hell. Like it's, it's not a nice verse. But the road that, that, that leads to eternal life and the kingdom is actually a narrow path. There are fewer options. Now, some of us, because we have the wrong understanding, think that that means that we're going to miss out. Actually, God's saying, no, no. Like, so imagine Sue and I saying, hey, the best way for me to love you is to be able to do whatever I want. Like, that's crazy. If I love Sue, I have one very narrow path. There, there are no other options. In fact, the greatest key to intimacy is exclusivity. The moment you're diffusing that, it breaks down intimacy. So that's not a negative thing. That's actually an amazing thing. That's a beautiful thing. And by the way, it simplifies your life. And it actually takes, you think it's going to cause more stress, and I get that. But actually, eventually, it takes away stress. Because you already know who you are, what you're committed to, and the path is narrow. The challenge for us is to keep the main thing the main thing. That's the main thing. To keep the main thing the main thing. You want to succeed in life? Figure out what the main thing is and keep it the main thing. Sometimes you have to give up what you want now for what you want most. And if we don't have vision, we're not going to know what, what's, what it's worth sacrificing for. And guys, I'm not going to lie to you. Of course, sometimes it's a sacrifice. Of course, sometimes we're actually having to starve a desire, starve an appetite, starve a temptation, which is why if I, if I, have a, if I allow God to give me His vision, that clarity allows me to actually simplify my life. I don't get angry about it. No, it's just, look, that's not where my life is headed. And so I'm able to say no. Amy Carmichael was a missionary in the first half of the 20th century. She, she actually worked as a missionary in India for 50 years. She passed away in 1951. Before that, she was a missionary in Sri Lanka and Japan and during her time, by the way, this is all before intercontinental air transport, right? Uh, from Northern Ireland originally, and her 50, you know, during her 50 years in India, she was committed to rescuing young ladies from temple prostitution. Amongst other things like writing 18 books, etc., she uh, was able to help take care of over a thousand vulnerable children. She wrote the following, which I find just beautiful as a way to actually articulate and summarize what we're talking about. She said, blessed are the single-hearted, for they shall enjoy much peace. 
I mean, we don't even need the rest of the quote, but we'll keep it up for a moment. But just that line alone. Like, if you forget, I mean, remember the scriptures, but if you forget almost everything else I say today, please hear that. Blessed are the single-hearted. So I'm not the lion who's distracted by all the options. No, no, I know what I'm focused on. I know what I'm called to. Blessed are the single-hearted, for they shall enjoy much peace. If you refuse to be hurried and pressed, please bear in mind this was probably written 70, 80 90 years ago, maybe even 100 years ago. If you refuse to be hurried and pressed, if you stay your soul on God, nothing can keep you from the clearness of spirit. I love that phrase. A clearness of spirit, that clearness of spirit, which is life and peace. In that stillness, you will know what His will is. I don't know about you, but I love those moments. And sometimes they're a little more rare than I'd like them to be. But those moments where I can slow down enough, where where, where things are simple enough, to where there's a clearness of spirit. To where all of the mud, all of the murkiness in the water just actually calms down. Like it just starts to settle and you can just see more clearly. This is who God is. This is who he's made me to be. This is where I'm headed that makes some of these no's a little bit easier and some of the yeses a little bit more convicting. In that stillness, you will know what His will is. So the question that I'd love for you just to reflect on during the week relating to to this principle, and again, you can maybe just tackle one of these per day, is simply where should I say no now in order to say a bigger yes later? Where should I say no now? in order to say a bigger yes later. Because the reality is that whatever you say yes to, you're saying no to something else. Somewhere along the line, because we have limits. We have limits. And so we can't say yes to everything. We can't all have a bunch of side hustles while trying to pursue a career or an education or a family. We can't all have you know, loads and loads of hobbies. We might, I mean, you're blessed if you can enjoy one hobby or two. For me, this is a massive challenge. I can't read every book I'd like to read. It really frustrates me. Sometimes I wish, and I'm sure the time will come, don't worry, I'm not promoting the mark of the beast or anything, but you know, I I just, I love the idea of like a a chip that can just be putting like, boom, okay, there's that book. Okay, boom, like there's a book. Okay, boom. Like, I'm just, I'm being honest with you. Like I, and I've got to be careful. I've got to be careful that I'm not, that I'm not replacing God with, with just purely academic intellect. Now, there's a, make no mistake, there's a place for that. Love the Lord your God with your mind as well. So there's a place for that. I'm talking about where, where I'm infringing on margin. I've got to be careful that I, am, that I, that I know the capacity to which I can do it. Anyway, what, because, because if I'm saying yes to this book right now, I'm saying no to other stuff because it takes time. So I'm saying yes to time, so that's no other time. If I'm saying yes to, to getting involved in all kinds of stuff, then I'm probably saying no to rest. I'm probably saying no to certain relationships. I'm probably saying no to growing in some area or anyway, you guys get the point. What am I saying yes to, an important yes, so that I am saying no to the appropriate things? Number two, second principle is that simplicity evaluates economy. I know that's a strange statement, but just stick with me for a moment. Simplicity evaluates economy. In other words, 
what does it really cost me? It helps me to actually pursue simplicity when I am able to better evaluate whether or not this is costing me more than I think it's going to cost me. So initially I'm thinking, okay, it's maybe going to cost me this amount financially, but then it's going to take up a whole bunch of time to maintain it, to find out about it, to learn more about it. To, it's going to take, it might take time away from family or, or it, might not, it, 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 might be, it might be a great cost and a worthwhile cost to spend because it's going to help strengthen me, make me healthier. I'm going to come home uh, in a better frame of mind or I'm going to be able to serve God better, you know, His purposes at work or at school. So again, a lot of the time, the cost is worth paying as long as we actually evaluate the cost. Matthew 16, verse 26, Jesus says, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? In other words, he's saying, what's the real cost? Like, what's it worth to gain that but lose what matters most? Is anything worth more than your soul? Is it going to cost you in joy, in peace, in love? Is it going to cost you financially, emotionally, relationally, attention, frustration? The question here is simply, what is the real cost? What is the real cost? Next time you have a career opportunity, thank God for the opportunity but ask Him to help you to slow down and to evaluate the real cost. Next time you have that purchase that you'd like to make, you might, you might have margin, you might have money in the bank, just, just ask God for wisdom. Help me to evaluate the real cost. And it might be, I'm not saying that you're gonna analyze, I'm not saying analyze before you go buy a chip on a stick thing, whatever we call it, okay? I'm not, I'm not talking about knucklehead stuff. I'm saying, guys, if you're gonna commit to like a two-year contract on something, or you're gonna commit to pay, anyway, what is the real cost? If you're gonna commit to this particular project, what is the real cost going to be as far as time, energy, etc.? Because whatever I'm saying yes to, I'm saying no to something else. Third principle is that simplicity reflects identity. Oh, guys, if we can get this, I think everything else just comes into perspective. When we, when we are growing in our identity, you see, we, a lot of the time we might think, oh, I've got all these issues. We actually have more of an identity challenge than an issues challenge. Because when we know who we are, that just sorts out a lot of these other things. When we know who God has called us to be, when we know whether we're the small balloon, the bigger balloon, whether or not we can stretch our balloon, or you know, when we are, when we know who we are, it just makes it so much easier to know whether or not I should be chasing all these other roads, whether or not I should be comparing with this person and competing with that person and and trying. I mean, it looks like they they have this family that always goes hiking, and this family always goes camping, and this family is always cooking together, and this family is always knitting together, and this family is always playing games together, and 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 you just don't know who you are, and so you're trying to be this Instagrammable family that's just always doing everything and dripping with awesome sauce, and you just love each other, and you and your wife are always going on dates, and and it's just everything's amazing, and it's this incredible picture, but but you're actually comparing yourself to other people's identities, whether that's even accurate or not, which of course, I think most psychologists would argue that it's not accurate on social media. It's the highlight reel that you're comparing your normal life to, okay? So I'm just saying, if you know who you are, if you know your personality, if you know your gifts, your strengths, your potential, what you are good at, like focus a little bit more on that. 2 Timothy 2 verse 4 says, soldiers don't get tied up in their affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. 
because a soldier knows who he is or who she is. So, so again, if they're focused, they're not getting involved in all kinds of side hustles. They're not getting involved in stuff that's going to distract them. The, their options become narrowed. They have to, it sounds crazy, but they actually have to live a fairly, a life that is actually filled with simplicity. We narrow the focus. If I'm going to be a soldier, I've got to stay fit. I've got to stay healthy. I've got to get enough sleep. I've got to eat properly. I, I can't go out and party all night. I can't, I can't get back at three o'clock in the morning and expect to be able to, to, to do the PT that they expect from me at 5.30 in the morning. Like you just, it just narrows the focus. I, can you imagine? I've, I've actually often thought this and it's often challenged me. That, that an Olympic athlete or, 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 or someone in the military or whatever would have so much... Okay, let's just stick to an athlete for a moment. There is so much discipline involved in winning a medal. Now, I know it's more than a medal. Maybe a sponsorship. There's obviously, perhaps, arguably some fame and, and some credibility that comes with it and, and, and good, good things. But the amount of discipline that'll be put into that achievement... And, and that often convicts me. Or I'm thinking, I feel like I have a lot more at stake, if I'm being very honest with you. As a, as a, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, I'm like, sorry, guys, no, no, I'm not dissing anyone that's involved in athletics. I'm just saying, I think that there's a lot more at stake. My kids, my wife, you guys, God's purposes, like there's a lot at stake. Jason, let's simplify. Let's narrow the focus Let's run the race because there's a far more important prize to win than just a medal. There's a far more important prize to win than just, than just fame, credibility. God, is this making sense? When we know who we are, when we have the right identity, we're going to be able to simplify. Who do I want to become more than what do I simply need to get done? And that takes discipline. It takes, it takes discipline regularly to slow down and evaluate. Question three, is this going to help me become who God has created me to be? I'm not talking about like the millions of decisions that you have to make every day, but anytime there's like a semi-significant decision to make, God, is this going to help me become who you've created me to be? I'm using some silly examples. You might even, it might even be as simple as, God, is it okay if I go like watch that movie right now or am I being lazy? And you might have a complete peace where God's like, yeah, if it's not dodgy, go relax, rest. That's gonna, you actually need to rest. I, I've, I tried very hard to rest this weekend. I didn't get it right perfectly, but I tried hard to rest yesterday. I had way more margin and capacity this afternoon for us to, to have people over the house and, 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 and enjoy them after a couple of services this morning. And I've still got energy. So I, I don't feel... I feel like it's a gift from God to be able to rest. I don't feel, I, used, I would have felt bad about this a few years ago. Now I feel like I've got some common sense. So I'm not just talking about hectic. I just mean, guys, like just in general with, with habits, choices, rhythms, God, is this gonna help me to become who you've created me to be? And I promise you part of that involves rest. In my opinion, it, 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 it involves exercise. It involves, you know, nutrition. It involves spending time with life-giving people. I think that that should even be part of your weekly rhythm. God, it's a priority. Help, help me to commit to as part of my simplicity, narrowing my focus, to spend time with people that are life-giving at least once a week. 
and if possible, this is my opinion, like even over a meal. I think sometimes we give all of our energy to things that, that drain us and sap us, and I think that that's fine for a large part. Okay, that, that, that's ministry. That's okay, you're giving out. But that can't be all you do. So, so think about this, right? Where's my balloon? In fact, you know what? Just for a moment, you can partake with me. Without breathing out, breathe in. Just breathe in, take a breath, hold it. Take a breath. One more. Weaklings. Yeah, jokes are slack. Okay, fine. Breathe out. Hold it. Breathe out. Hold it. Breathe out. Some of you are cheating already, yeah. I'm sure you get the point. Some of us are just breathing out and breathing out and breathing out. And then we think that God's way doesn't work. He's like, I never told you to do that. We've got to breathe out, breathe in. Similarly, we can't just breathe in and breathe in and breathe in and just rest more and rest more and just do stuff we enjoy and just laze and just lum and just game and just whatever. You are going to you're going you're gonna to die. I mean, it sounds crazy, but, but, but both extremes will kill you. You have to breathe out, breathe in. Breathe out, breathe in. God, is this a breathing out thing? Is this a breathing in thing? Is this going to help me become who you've created me to be? Fourth and final principle is that simplicity requires security. And when I say security, I'm talking about security with God where we are convinced that God loves us before we perform, before we produce. We have peace with God in our relationship. We have peace with God about our limits, about our season, about our potential. We, we are secure with God. And, not, and by the way, you don't get secure with God when you have it all together. For some of us, our personality drives us saying, if I can just do better, then I'll feel secure with God. If I can just do better, I'll have peace with God. If I can just give more, serve more, do more, get my act together more, screw up less, get to st- the stuff that Jason's talking about, yeah, 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 I must, I must, I'm gonna walk, I'm gonna get out of here, I'm gonna cut everything, I'm not gonna get distracted anymore, and then maybe I'll have peace with God. And you won't. Like, I know this sucks, but you're not going to get it all together. this side of heaven. That's why you'll keep hearing me say that we need to prioritize progress over perfection. And And if you are waiting to feel like you are worthy in order to feel secure with God, I'm just telling you, you're gonna be chasing your tail. You're never gonna find that. I think that when we will settle down and find security with God, by His grace, that peace and security and love is gonna start to energize us and help us to make progress. Can I say that again? Our human nature says, when there's enough progress, I'll have peace with God. God says, the gospel says, when you have peace with me, you'll start making progress. I feel like it is so counterintuitive. And I've got to tell you, I didn't grow up like that in the church. And I didn't experience that for most of my adult life. In fact, I was talking with someone the other day, a much older pastor, 
I was explaining something to him and he, and he, just, he was just so gracious and encouraging. I said, you know what? You're the only person in my life I've, that, that has ever spoken, that has ever represented God like that, with that kind of like life-giving grace. I think it's amazing how often we interpret God through our lenses of experience, through the way we were brought up. Guys, I hate to say it, but, but, but in many cases, through the relationship that we had with our dad or at least the perception that we had with him. Anyway, that's, that's getting all very psychological and all. But, but we really struggle to be secure with God. And so the question for us here is, do I see God as father or Pharaoh? Do I see God as father or Pharaoh? You see, for those of you that aren't familiar with the story, the Israelites grew to a very competitive number in the nation of Egypt. And so the only way for the Egyptians to control them was to turn them into slaves. And so for hundreds of years, all they knew, generation after generation after generation, was slavery. All they knew was you work seven days a week. You work until you're exhausted. And if you're exhausted enough, then maybe we'll let you sleep only because we need you to function again tomorrow. But you treat it like a machine. So how hard do you think it was for God to get that machine mentality out of them when he brought them out of Egypt, to get that slave mentality out of them, where they, where, they were, where they were totally programmed to respond out of fear, not to respond to love, where they were totally uh, programmed to feel that all of their worth was connected to productivity and performance. I honestly believe that that is one of these significant reasons, not the only one, but one of these significant reasons that God instituted Sabbath to them. And I think it's why he even made it law, because he knew us. He's like, you were never going to take a suggestion. He's like, you rest. Yeah, yeah, but the work's, I don't, the, you don't rest when the work is done, you rest. Otherwise, we feel like we have to earn rest. And again, some, you know who you are, right? No, no, I don't think I can rest. I haven't, I've still got washing to do, I've still got this to do, I've still got that to do, I've got shopping. And it's a slave mentality. We see God as Pharaoh, not as Father, not as Father. We don't see rest as a gift. Where actually we rest no matter what. And I'll talk about Sabbath in a couple of weeks' time. My, my mind has been changed radically around that idea over the last couple of years. Where we actually rest no matter what, and then and then out of that rest, you go into your week and you address your week, as opposed to killing yourself off during the week trying to earn a day off. In fact, this is Eugene Peterson, the guy that wrote the message version, the Bible, he calls that kind of thing a bastard Sabbath. But we'll look at that in a couple of weeks, just a little, mm, just a little taster, just putting your head there. So the question there is, do I see God as Father or Pharaoh? Thanks, Jermaine. What I want you to do this week is just to be open to the idea of, God, am I living a very cluttered life? And, and if so, is it working for you? And you might feel it is. I, I can't argue with you. I, I'm not even telling you that this stuff is moral. A lot of what we're talking about is not moral. It's just, is it wise? So for you simply to reflect on, am I living a very cluttered life or am I living a life that has got sufficient focus? And I'm using the word focus as a synonym for their simplicity. There's, it's narrow. I know who I am. 
I know who God is. I know what He's called me to. And I know what it's going to cost me. And I'm, and I'm willing to pay the greatest price for what matters most. Or God, am I just so confused that I feel like that? I mean, I, me and that lion, he's a pussycat because of that stool. I'm a pussycat because of the stool that I'm, you know, constantly distracted with. God, I need, I need focus. I need to, I need to somehow get my eyes off of that stool. I need to get my eyes off of that tamer, actually. I need to look beyond all of these distractions. I need to look beyond this person who's trying to control me. Guys, I'm, I'm just telling you, there's a spirit in this world that wants to control you, that wants to hold you back. And it's hard. <laughs> like, he doesn't ever have a moment of mercy. Like, ah, oh, shame, they've had a tough time. He's had a hectic week, we'll give him a break. Ah, oh, she's being stretched. We'll, no, he's like, he's nearly in the ground. Let's just push it. No, no. And so, and so we've got to trust God for His grace. We've got to slow down. And I'd love for you to reflect on those questions. Can I get you to stand with me? I wish I had time to get way more practical. And I'm sorry that I'm not. I feel like each of these things that we're going to be touching on in the, in the weeks ahead could be a series on, them, on, the, on their own. And maybe, maybe we'll do that at some point. But, but maybe just like for 60 seconds, practically speaking, Take a look at your schedule and see if there's anything that can be pruned. Take a look at your finances and see if there's anything that you're committed to that you can that you can cancel that commitment or that subscription. I'm not talking about reneging on debt and commitments. That's that that's an integrity issue. You you take responsibility and settle it. But maybe you even want to be as practical as starting to declutter your room or your house. Sue started doing this. Now after Christmas, and I'm way behind. So Sue's been amazing. I've been terrible. But I went out and enjoyed some hikes, so I'm okay. For me, that's what mattered most of the last few weeks. But, but, um, but, but seriously, I, I feel like there are some cupboards I want to sort through. Eventually, there's that bleep bleep garage I want to sort through. But, but, but you might want to sort through some stuff where you just, where you start to allow your outer world to reflect maybe what you'd like the inner world to be. And I, it's the chicken and the egg. Is the one going to lead to the other? I don't know. I think it's both. I think it's, I think it's a bit of both. But even then, don't tackle, please don't go home tonight and don't sleep and tackle your house. Okay? Start where you are, not where you want to be. Tackle one room at a time. Or one cupboard at a time. You should see our kitchen. Like it's so much less, it's like amazing. It feels like, I mean, it's, it's a really ugly old kitchen, but it's, but it's like so neat. It's like, this is nice. And it actually feels, I mean, it sounds so strange, but it actually just feels less stressful. It's just simple. Guys, I'm not trying to add a burden to you. I'm trying to invite you towards freedom. So, so if anything you're hearing at that, here tonight adds guilt and pressure, then you're misunderstanding or I'm miscommunicating. That, I can tell you now that's not the goal. That's not God's heart. It's to actually bring light, lightness, to make things lighter to free us so that we can run the race that God has prepared for us.